you to go out and grab four people out of the ordinary, not normal ones that sit on the platform. Just grab four people. People can sit still and they won't go to sleep, all right? So you just got a moment to think about that. Concerning Psalm chapter 1, I know we have two or three young ones that have memorized it already. Already, I mean, it's only October, right? But have memorized it so far. Better way to put that. And maybe some others in the house have as well. Trying to say something here. That at the end of the year, I see Christmas Day is on a Wednesday. Sometime that last week of the year, we're going to go in and invade Pizza Delphi. If you've got Psalm chapter 1 memorized, uh, then pizza's on me. We're going to go down there and just uh, have a good time, okay? So, but you got to memorize it, and I have to hear you quote it. None of this, Mom. Oh, wink, wink. My son's got the good part of it done. No, if he don't have it all done, sorry, Mom, I'm going to hurt your feelings. Memorize. We only had 12 months to get it done, all right? So, not that difficult. I'm so, I'll probably be taking all of these kids down there because they've all done well with it, I know. All right. Praise God. Brother Joe, you're going to start it tonight, and I'll follow you up. So, God bless you. Praise the Lord. I think we can do better than that tonight. Praise the Lord. Amen. All righty. We're just going to get right into it with my text. If you have a Bible, feel free to open it. If not, it's going to be on the screen. 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 7. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul is getting ready to die. Um, essentially, you know, he's saying, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of my road. This is where it all leaves off. The la- some of the last words that he wants to leave to Timothy, some of the last things that he feels like he needs to say is, I have fought a good fight, and I have kept the faith. Does anybody know that your faith is a fight today? It's not supposed to be easy. It was never promised you that it would be easy. The only promise is that there would be a fight and there would be a reward in the end. Amen? If I could get Brother Playle to pray for the service. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to put a title on my little mini-sermon here, just call it The Fight. So, we heard Pastor talk uh, about war against the flesh on Sunday, and in keeping with the theme of faith, I, I kind of want to take that and run with it on the thought of the fight of faith. So, we hear Paul describe faith as a struggle. He looks back on his life seeing that he did well, and I start to ask myself, can I say the same? I don't know about you, but I have some serious work to do. I'm okay with saying that. i preached a while back about being real, I'm, I'm completely okay with telling you that I have so much work to do. I look back on my life and I see places where I could have done better, places where I desperately wish I had, places that I know will come up again and that I can't improve. So I would like to just take a moment of your time and talk about three things. Obviously, there's many, many things when we look at our fight of faith, but I just want to talk about three that I think not only I want to grow in myself, but I think are very, very integral in us making it one day. 
So the first thing that comes to mind that looks like faith to me when I look back on my life, when I look back on my fight of faith, what that looks like to me is faith and obedience. Uh, Genesis 22, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon his Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Keep in mind, uh, if you know the story, Abraham had no idea that that would really happen. He is putting his entire faith in his obedience and what God told him to do and going up there anyway. He knows what God told him to do, and he tells his son, God's going to provide a lamb. Abraham has so much more faith and obedience than I could possibly ever like imagine having. The thing that he got told to do is just insane to me, but with all obedience and without even without even stopping, without look, seemingly hesitation, he does it. And they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there. And he laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And now we know the end of this story. You know, the angel stops him right before he kills his son. Uh, there's a ram in the thickets, and they get it, and they sacrifice it to God. But if that ram wasn't there. I honestly believe Abraham would have gone through with it. There was nothing in his heart that was disobedient. God said something, so he did it. Amen? Imagine going through this in your life. Obviously, we have different things that we need to be obedient to. Hopefully, hopefully nobody's been asked to kill their child. I really genuinely hope that's not an issue that we have. I'm pretty sure it's not. Uh, if, if you do, maybe talk to pastor about it. He'll probably, he'll probably get you set straight. Amen? it's not okay. But a Christian walking in obedience today comes up against different things. Obedience like paying our tithes. Pastors preached on it. We've all preached on it. Every single service we talk about it. There's scripture behind it. But for some reason, when it comes to obedience and things in my life, I want to hesitate a little bit. Something inside me goes, "Ah, I don't know about that, you know. Um, I've heard it many, many times. I've heard people talk to me about it that I've tried to talk to about church and stuff, and a big issue for them is money. They think, why would you have to do that? Well, because the Bible says it, and I need to be obedient to that, amen? Same goes with fasting and praying and studying, being faithful. These are all things that I need to be obedient towards, and one day, I'm going to look back at my life, at my fight, and say, I did it or I didn't, amen? This is something that's going to matter in the end. The second thing that comes to mind is faith and understanding, Daniel 3, verse 17 and 18 says, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. 18 says, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego are about to be burned for not bowing to an idol. They had enough faith and understanding to know that God could save them, but if he didn't, even if he didn't, 
That was not even close to about to stop them. They had enough understanding to say, I am not the center of this universe. If we die today, God's got somebody else to stand right in our place and say, I'm not going to bow today. God's got somebody else that will say, I'm going to stand up for what's right. I understand that there is a God in control that I cannot even compare to, and I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that I understand in completeness everything that he has, to let the will of God take control of my life and know that that's okay, to not need to be the one that's in control all the time. It's something that I struggle with. I like to be in control, but there are times when I just need to sit down and say, God, have your hand in this. I understand that it's not my will that matters here. There is an end game to this thing, and I know that you have everything in control. The third thing and final thing that I'm going to bring up in this is faith. our fight of faith looks like ridiculous praise. Acts 16, 25. It says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, saying praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. I only put this one verse in there to try to save time, uh, but Paul and Silas are arrested for doing what they do, preaching the gospel, being amazing faith leaders, amen? But in the, in the bottom of the prison, at midnight, anything could have came out of their mouths. I would be so bummed out. I mean... You're following everything God has asked you to do. You're fighting the fight so hard, and you're thrown in prison. I don't know what I would do in that situation, but to hear that they started to praise God. There was a, there was a guard in there that knew that he had Paul and Silas in the prison. Midnight comes around, and he starts hearing some praise songs happening. I can just see the devil getting angry about it. He's finally got the preacher in chains, amen. But all of a sudden, the preacher starts singing, when I think of the goodness of Jesus. And the devil starts getting a little on edge because he knows what's about to happen. And something takes over Paul and Silas, and they begin to praise with everything that they have, and chains start to fall off of them. I'm here to tell you in your fight of faith, if you just place a little bit of ridiculous praise in your life, you're going to drop some chains. You're going to get out of bondage today. Your fight of faith looks like ridiculous, unorthodox praise today. It's an amazing thing, and you will break chains all around you. So that's basically uh, a gist of what's been on my heart these last couple days. Uh, When I look back, when God searches for that faithful man, uh, Proverbs 20 and verse 6, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find in the end of our days, we're not going to be the only ones looking back at our fight of faith. It's not just going to be me standing there. God's going to take a look at me. God's going to say, yeah, you can see this, this, and this, but this is what I see. He's looking for the faithful today. He's looking for the ones that stood the test of time, that took their fight seriously, that had that moment where they had to be obedient and took it with all glad-heartedness, amen? That had that moment when they needed to be understanding of God's timing, his purpose, and his will, and they understood it and trusted him wholeheartedly. He's going to look back at the people that went through it all, that were in the storm and managed to just shout some praises. I've got one quick story that I have time for. All right. Um, when, I was, uh, when I was really young, uh, it's a date that sticks in my mind, and dates don't stick in my mind. My wife can attest to this. I'm horrible with numbers. I just am. But December 2nd, 2009, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. All right. It's Come a, on. It's a day that Good. just it shakes me to my core because I remember I had been praying for the Holy Ghost for a while. I had been baptized mm. a few years earlier, and I was still just a kid. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I, wa- I, knew I needed the Holy Ghost. And I remember a preacher Thank came up you. to me while I was praying one day, and he said, what are you looking for? And I just said, I just want to get the Holy Ghost. And he said, 
Son, sometimes you just need to remember to praise. And suddenly my prayer went from begging God for the Holy Ghost to hallelujah. Yes. All of a sudden, just hallelujah, yes. hallelujah. Only took about four or five times and lightning ran down Think my spine. It. I'm telling you, that unorthodox praise, no reason at all. I just wanted to say hallelujah, Think and the Holy it. Ghost came over me. I say that to say when I was in the worst storm of my life for three years, I begged this. God to fix my life. I begged God to fix my family hey. over and over again for three years. Yep. And for some reason, nothing was changing. Then one day a preacher knelt down in my ear and said, Joseph, don't forget to praise. In the worst storm of my life, I managed to get my head up instead of down, lift my hands up instead of down, and suddenly I began to say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are so worthy of everything that I have to give. And I can tell you wholeheartedly, that's my mom in the second row. That's my stepfather, Richie, in the second row. They have a daughter now, and I know my brother is not far behind. I'm telling you, if you would give God some unorthodox praise, he is going to do some things that you cannot even imagine. Amen. Fight the fight of faith today. I promise you, God promises you it'll all be worth it in the end. Amen. 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 Why can you, why can you be so confident in saying those things? Because my text tonight is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Many of you can quote that. That now faith is the substance of things. Hope for the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. I like that. Read it with me. Verse 1 and 2 out loud. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good. I'm going to talk, Brother Lance, tonight about three elements, three elements of faith. And everyone under the sound of my voice tonight fits into one of these three elements or categories. If you're a good person, a not bad person, if you care or you're bored out of your mind, we all fit into one of these categories by our actions, not necessarily by our choice. And the first element is the element of faith that nobody wants to admit they are in. The first element of faith is the element that nobody wants to admit they are a part of, and that is the element of little faith. Little faith. But I have to admit to you tonight, Brother Michael Berge, there's too many times in my life I'm walking by too little of faith in God. Someone said, well, life just works out anyway, whether or not God turns the tides in your favor or not. I don't know who said it earlier, but maybe, I guess it was Brother Joe. God works for people whether they're in the church or not in the church. You know that, right? God sees that sinner down the road a decade or 20 years or whatever, and God is always working to save the lost. Not just concerned about getting you fat and sassy tonight. God wants to save souls, fill people with the Holy Ghost. His intention is the church, but it's also outside of the church. 
And there's too often I'm in the church full of the Holy Ghost and I'm part of the element of little faith. The Greek word is oligopistoi, O-L-I-G-O-P-I-S-T-O-I. And it's the title that Jesus only gave the disciples. And you know what it means in, in English? Little faith. He only gave it to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Thomas, uh, Thaddeus, Thomas, James the Less, Mark. He gave all of those men at one time or another, repeatedly now, over and over again, Oligo Pistoi. Oh, ye of little. He didn't turn to blatant drunks and say that. He said it to men that walked in that close-knit circle. How can you be so close to God and live in an element of little faith? I'm not talking about me, preacher. Listen to what one of those men said in John 20, verse 25. Thomas said, unless I see, show me your hand, sister. Unless I see the nail print, in that hand. And unless I put my finger into that nail print and thrust my hand into his side, look at those last four words. I will not believe. And we're not talking about his disconnected family members over here that have never darkened the church door. We're talking about a disciple. Oligopistoi. Oh, ye of little. Faith. Matthew 6, verse 30. Matthew 14, 31. Brother Brad, please read this one for me nice and loud. Those aren't the best words to hear him say about your life. Didn't I do good on the keyboard tonight, Lord? Didn't I do good in my special song? Didn't I play the drums perfectly tonight, Lord? And then Matthew 14, please, Sister Playo. Brother Rob, sir, would you do me the honor? He's talking to Peter here. The man that's going to deliver the message on the day of Pentecost. He's the preacher's preacher. He's the apostle's leader. And he said, uh, oligopistoi. The results of little faith are always the same, Brother Joseph. Little results... Big frustrations. Why isn't God helping me? Why hasn't God answered me? Why hasn't God saved my kids, my family, my mate, my spouse, my father, my son? <coughs> and on and on all those questions do is just make me doubt more and more and more. And I'm pastoring a church and I got little faith sometimes. And you sing in the choir and your faith is just so tiny. 
And you teach Sunday school and you act like you've got it all together, but some days you got faith like that. Thank you for your honesty. Little faith always yields little results and big frustrations. If God can do anything, everything, and all things, why isn't He showing me? All I'm asking for is a raise. All I'm asking for is someone to be healed. All I'm asking Him for is some little minuscule thing. I have found this to be true, and I, 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 probably nobody in the room here is guilty of this, but I found it to be true because I am guilty of this. But every time I cop an attitude with God, that's like a guaranteed way to not get your way. Don't you hear me? No, I mean, I, I don't know how some of you modernistic parents do it at home. If this young man at six years old walked up to me and said, I want an ice cream and I'm going to get one, Dad. Oh, man. I would set it as, as the head of my agenda for the day to make sure that kid didn't get what he wanted. I don't care how much I fought back there. With the, that there ain't no way. Yeah, attitude makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? You can't... You can't God's not mocked, and you can't force God into doing the things you want Him to do. Oh, you have little faith. But I do believe this. Having little faith is better than having no faith. It's not where I'm going to go, where I should be, and where I want to go with my faith life, but it's better than losing all of my faith. It's better than turning my back on God because of many opportunities I've given Him to love me through answered prayer, and he, were, he didn't do it for whatever reason, and I just throw Him out. Remember what Hebrews 11:6 said, without faith, He didn't say a lot of faith, or a little faith, He just said without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. So I'm not going to please God. Without faith. Element number one is where some of us are living tonight. Little faith. But it can change, Brother Richard. It can change. Second element for the Christian is great faith. Started out with element one, little faith. And to the extreme opposite, talking about number two now, great faith. This is where most of us want to be. Many of us are living, Brother Justin Sonatag, in an element of too little faith. But we all want to be people of great faith. People of great faith are the people that move the mountains of life. They are what you know, the business world calls movers and shakers, right? They are the ones that, that, that literally confront problems, and because of their absolute sternness and faith in God, they move that thing. Great faith. Brother, sister, if you know anybody's got great faith, you better make them one of your best friends in life. You better hang around them, get around them. 
You better talk to them, text them, visit them. Great faith. We all want great faith. A couple of scriptures here for you to read, and then I'll proceed. Matthew 15, 28. Matthew 8, 10. Brother Anthony, sir, please. Who who did he say this to? What gender, my friend, did he say this to? Thank you very much. Go ahead. He just didn't say, hey, your faith's uh, on a high note right now. He didn't say, well, you, all the songs just got you in the right mood tonight in church. It, all the, oh, your, your daughter got this thing special. Say, so you're running the aisles tonight. Isn't that sweet? Hallelujah. Great is your faith. Brother, I want friends like that in my life. I want people that, that no matter what obstacle I'm facing, they, they bump me on the side once in a while and say, don't worry about this. God's got this in his, in his hand. I know he does. I know he does. I live too often with little faith, Brother Richard. But I wish more frequently I could move some mountains with great faith. I wish I could meet an obstacle and automatically feel like, Pyah, this is nothing to God. That's not Ron Herring's operational methods, though. But some of you are like that. You're like, okay, well, yeah, this is curious. This is a, this is a little confusing here. Maybe it slows me down a bit, but I, God's never failed me yet. God's left me, never left me in any situation, any turmoil. There are people that live like that, and they're not faking it. They've just got great faith. One of my favorite scriptures out of the book of Daniel is chapter 11, verse 32. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That is a person of great mountain-moving faith. They're the people that come to church, and even if the music's dead, and the teaching's dry, and the crowd's down, they're still like, ooh, thank you, Jesus. Thank God for revival. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Word of God. Those are people of great faith. The ones with little faith, they're always slipping me little notes by the last, ooh, church, church seems like it's a little down lately. Come get in the mud with me and we'll waller. And we'll, we'll just throw pity all over each other. Be surprised how t- often I get notes like that. You know why? Because those people live in the element of little faith. All they want to believe in is what Thomas said. If I can, let me see your hand, brother. Let me see your hand. Raise it up. If I can't see that hole in his hand. If I can't put my finger into that hole, if I can't thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Oh, Lord. We might have 150 people of little faith, but if you give me two people that just say, anything is possible with God. Anything is possible with God. God can move every hindrance, every obstacle. Great faith. Hey, what? If I were to ask you to stand up here and tell us, I'm not going to, but I want you to think. 
Just get internal with me for a moment. Where, what are you tonight? Where's your faith? Is it little? Hmm? Is, it, is it great? What if you don't get that raise? What if he gets promoted and you have been there longer? Hmm? The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploit great things. People of great faith. So element number one, little faith. Element number two is great faith. Number one is where I often abide but wish I didn't have to admit it. Element number, element number two, the Rick, is where I wish I could be, I could spend more time at there. But unfortunately, I got to rub elbows with other people that just seem to always be on fire for God. I, I, I wish, sometimes I look at that person and go, I just wish I could just be that encouraging all the time. But element number three. Number one, we don't want to admit to being there. Number two, we rarely are there, but some, some are more than others. Number three is an element of faith that we all must get to. No matter your DNA, your spiritual chemistry, etc., if you're a positive person, a negative person, whatever that stuff is, sanguine, what was all those personality stuff we used to talk about? No matter where you live normally, if the glass is half full or half empty, the third element of faith is a place we all have to get to. And it's perfect faith. Little faith, great faith, perfect faith. Perfect faith is not the dynamic aisle running faith. It's not five stars, not red letter. It's not blue ribbon faith. But I'm going to quote some scriptures to you, and you tell me, you have to ignore me to not hear the element of perfect faith come off these scriptures that I'm talking about. Is it Psalm 56.3 I gave you next? What time I am afraid! Now that isn't dynamic faith. That's consistent. Above all that's coming against me. I, I'm not saying I'll never be afraid. I'm not saying things will never be bigger than I am. But he said, when I do, when I do feel like I'm overwhelmed by fear, threats, negative things, opposition, enemies. What time I am afraid. He said, I got a plan already in mind. That's perfect faith. I got a plan already in mind. I know, I know life happens. Life happens. Mike's not here tonight, but there's a little... Oh, Brad, you, where you and Mike built that little blind out there, way, way out in the woods there. I was out there like the last week of season. It was raining like it is today, and I was sitting in that little blind, just loving life, enjoying the world, soaking wet, but I didn't care. Just like, yes, how can it be this? 
anything in life, right? This is awesome. So I get done with the day, and I'm about dark. I'm hiking out of there, and I get back to my razor. I'm in that little, you know, that valley down there, and I have a flat tire on my razor. Yeah, you don't exactly, well, anyway. And all that high I was feeling back there in that little stand, I'm like, rotten. Of all the places, why couldn't you happen at the cabin? Little faith, great faith, but perfect faith is a, pl a place, that, an element we all have to, not can. We have to. If you're going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful child, enter thou into the joy of the Lord, you have to end up here. There's too much junk in life to take you away. Too many negative people. I told you before, when God wants to bless you, he'll send a person into your life. And when the devil wants to mess with you, he'll also send a person in your life. You hear me, young guys? God wants to bless you, he'll put good people in your life. They'll do things that, are, that make you a better human being. When the devil's trying to drag you down, he'll put people in your life that, that make you worse human being. You'll think thoughts with that type of person you never would have thought with that other. We have to get there. There's too much distraction. We all want great faith. But if I live my life struggling not, I'm not prophesying I will. But if you live your life struggling from mountaintop to valley, mountaintop to valley, which so many of us do, mountaintop to valley, you don't have great faith every day. Sometimes your faith is on the mountaintop, sometimes it's in the valley. Will anybody admit that tonight? It does not release us from the potential of becoming perfect in our faith. 39 times in the book of Acts, 39 times, the word great appears. Great. Just wrote a couple of them down for you. Great light, great multitude, great quietness, great company, great joy, great wonders, great authority, great grace, great fear, great power. Those are the results of great faith. But perfect faith isn't any of those. It's not dynamic. It's not making the headlines of your walk with God. But it's where seasoned, mature, mature Christians eventually end up at. If we've been church 30 years and we're still sucking milk bottles... Something's wrong. There ought to be some meat making muscle on your, on your spiritual man. If you're still struggling, there's nothing wrong with struggling, but if you're still struggling with the same habits you were five, ten years ago, you're not trying to grow. 
When you make up your mind, I'm not belittling anybody that struggles because we all struggle with something. And you in leadership, keep your long noses where they belong, okay? Because they may not struggle with tobacco or this guy struggles with something else. Everybody has something. My point being this, though. If you're still struggling with things tonight, and 10 years from now, or you're struggling with things tonight, and 10 years from now, you're still struggling. Faithful to church, hear all kind of preaching, all kind of worship, in the choir, playing an instrument, and 10 years from now, you still fall to that habit. You're missing something. You're missing something that faith is trying to do for you. Seasoned, mature Christians always end up at the place of perfect faith. i got to hurry. You tell me if you cannot hear mature faith coming off these scriptures, okay? Brother Walter, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, sir. Nice and slow and loud. doesn't sound like somebody, hey, hey, faith, come on. Don't somebody, 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 doesn't sound like somebody's like, oh, this won't work. Just trust him. Trust him in every phase of life, in every valley, every mountain, every trial, every, everything, yes, every situation. That's mature faith. That's perfect faith. Listen, if that hasn't said it to you yet, listen to this scripture out of Job, please, out of Job. Amen. Amen. Sister Danielle, would you read that for me, please? Do you hear that mature faith? Though he slay me. That's not somebody trying to exercise great spiritual authority. It's not someone struggling to just keep his head above water. Though he slay me! That's perfect faith. Little faith, great faith, but we all have to end up here. We all have to mature in life, in spiritual life, in our walk with God. If every time somebody disappoints you in church, you just, you just quit praying and quit singing and you stay home. She hurt my feelings. He didn't apologize. Man, you need to get your thumb out of your mouth. It's time to grow up. Though he slay me. What a statement. I'm going to maintain my own way before him. Finally, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Sister McKenzie, please. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. That's mature faith. Paul said, those little things used to get me so wrapped up. They used to so distract me because that's what children do. Children, as wonderful as they are and as childlike faith as they sometimes possess, they also maintain a very little 
very little ability to process things in the long-range picture of things. Paul said, uh, there was some kind of change in my life. At one point, you've got to make up your mind, I, I, I don't want to be a boy anymore. I, I want to be a man, an adult. I don't want to be a girl anymore. I want to be a woman. It's all because of faith. The results of little faith are great frustrations. The results of great faith are mountains that can be moved. But the results of perfect faith are peace like a river, joy like an ocean, love like a fountain, forgiveness that you cannot measure, peace in your life no matter what storms are blowing. That's perfect faith. Maybe we can't all pray like Brother Trace, run the aisles like Brother Richard, but we can endure and grow and mature and my faith become perfect. Number one, number one, nobody wants it, little faith. Number two, everybody wants great faith. But number three, everybody must have mature faith. Bless your name, God, tonight. Bless your name. Don't, don't leave me, young people, yet, okay? Just, we're just going to hang out here on the platform for a moment. Bless your good name, God, tonight. Bless your good name, God, tonight. Only you, Lord, know where my faith is. Only you, Lord, know what I'm dealing with in my life, in my family, in my home, my, in my school, in my body, in my mind. Only you, Lord God, know where my faith is today. There's no fooling you, God. If my faith is little, it's very obvious to you. If it's great, same. I know I need to be mature in my faith, Lord. Help me, God. Strengthen my hands to walk upright before you. Let my thoughts, God, be centered on your will and your purpose and your plan. Help us, God, to live by faith. That, that fight that the man talked about, the fight that it's worth struggling to keep. Faith isn't easy, but you can do it. Joe, would you join me here to pray for these young men? Sister McKenzie, pray for these ladies today, please. Anybody want to come pray? You're welcome. If you need to go, I understand. Some of you have to get up so early. Love you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for.